Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello, podcast listeners. Market is kind of having mixed reviews today, at least in my opinion, across the board. But we're but we're going to be able to talk about some articles that I think that need to be talked about today, as always. First, we're going to be talking about Tesla and its halts for output in the Shanghai area currently right now. Then we're going to be talking about the Fed's Mester, uh, 50 uh, BP's BPS rate hike makes sense, but potentially could see unemployment rise. Then we're going to be talking about Biden, how he spoke out yesterday about how he's handling inflation, which I'll get into more details later. And finally, we're going to talk about, to end today, we're going to talk about how Pfizer is buying out Biohaven to tap into the migraine market. With that being said, guys, I have to remind you all that I am not a financial advisor in any way, shape, or form. This whole podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please talk to your own financial advisor before making investment decisions, as they might understand your financial situation better than I would. Please also note that this podcast is for entertainment purposes and information only currently. That being said, let's begin with today's article articles exclusive tesla halts most output at shanghai plant april sales dive shanghai rooters rudders i mean tesla inc has halted most of its production at its shanghai plant due to problems securing parts for its electric vehicles according to an internal memo seen by rudders the latest in the series of difficulties for the factory the automaker's sale in China has already slumped by 98% in April from a month earlier. Data released by the China Passenger Car Association, or the CPCA, showed on Tuesday underscoring the hit from China's hard COVID-19 lockdowns. Shanghai is in its sixth week of intensifying lockdowns that has tested the ability of the manufacturers to operate amid hard restrictions on the movement of people and materials. Tesla planned to manufacture fewer than 200 vehicles at its factory in the city on Tuesday, according to the memo. Far below the roughly 1,200 units per day, it has ramped up shortly after reopening on April 19th following a 22-day closure. Tesla did not respond to a request for a comment. After reopening, the factory produced 10,757 vehicles at the end of April, selling 1,512 of them, the CPCA said. That compared to 65,814 cars sold in March and marked the lowest sales tally since April 2020, four months after the factory started delivering China-made cars. Tesla did not export any China-made Model 3s and Model Ys from the Shanghai plant in April, the data showed. Too familiar with Tesla's operations said earlier that the Shanghai plant suspended work on Monday after it faced difficulties procuring supplies. Shanghai is still technically in lockdown. In fact, currently, if you were to Google right now what's happening in Shanghai, like literally if you just type in Shanghai lockdowns, at least at the recording of this podcast, you're going to see articles like, Shanghai's biggest automaker saw production plunge by 75%. Or you see other articles saying Tesla shutters under tighter Shanghai lockdown. Or you're going to find what I find the most interesting. Toyota cuts production due to COVID lockdown in Shanghai. And of course, CNBC is reporting about Tesla in Shanghai. There's other articles too about how, or as CNN is reporting, stop asking why Shanghai intensifies COVID lockdown. 
at the end of the day, we still need to keep an eye out for what's happening in China. China manufactures a lot of stuff for the world currently. And if China's going into lockdowns again, it's going to cause more supply chain issues for the market going forward. Now, why no one's reacting to this is beyond me currently, but it just seems like Wall Street just doesn't seem to care right now. It's still a fun party in Wall Street, I guess. But it also says here from the from the time that Shanghai COVID lockdown pushes residents to the brink. We're not going to potentially get into the, some of these articles, but that's part of the Google search if you were to look up Shanghai and lockdowns currently. I don't know how this is going to end. There's no way that China is going to be able to get a zero COVID policy in the making. And so we need to keep an eye out continuing on China just to see what's happening because what happens in China could potentially affect our supply chains in not only just in the United States, but also across the world as well, at least in my opinion. So we need to continue to keep an eye out to see what's happening in China. Next article, Fed semester 50 points base hikes see it makes sense could see unemployment rise according to Reuters Cleveland Federal Bank President Loretta Mesters on Tuesday said rising interest rates in half point increments makes perfect sense for the next couple of Fed meetings and that the ultimate rates will need to rise above 2.5 percent to rein in too high of inflation it may be very well that the unemployment rate will have to move up a little bit we may have to get another quarter of negative or slow growth, but that's going to have to happen if we want to get inflation down, Mester told Yahoo Finance. I think things will get I think things will be bumpy. At the same time, she said she does she does not believe the Fed rate hikes aim to slow demand for labor and products that are outrunning constrained supply will push the economy into a sustained downturn. Quote, I don't really see it as a trade-off, really, because I really fundamentally believe that if we don't get back to the price stability, we're not going to have a sustainable, healthy labor market in the future, she said. There's a lot of issues currently. And the next article we're getting into is actually going to be talking a little bit more about the inflation side of things. But if unemployment goes up, that's not going to be a good thing. Okay. People need jobs. People need to be able to work. The economy needs to be able to run. Okay. And it's just super annoying that this is how things have to go right now. But, I mean, they have to raise interest rates if they want to be able to control what's happening in the economy currently right now. And I also believe they waited too long to do this. So, if people, please continue to be careful out there as you don't know what's going to happen potentially with, as the Fed continues to raise interest rates, just be on the lookout currently. Now, yesterday when doing research for today's podcast, Biden spoke to the American people. He says, Biden says the Fed targeting inflation, China tariffs under review. Now, at first I was a little confused, but I decided to listen a little bit to Joe Biden. And let's read this article a little bit. U.S. President Joe Biden, under pressure to tame high inflations, told Americans on Tuesday that he understands their plight and that he and the U.S. Federal Reserve are working to solve what he called the, administrator, the administration's top domestic priority. They're frustrated, Biden said, of Americans paying more for goods and services across the board. I don't blame him. As inflation pushes an annual consumer price more than 8% higher than a year ago, the president highlighted his release of oil from strategic petroleum reserves and his pressure of companies with record high profits to lower prices. First off, Joe Biden, 
releasing the strategic petroleum, petroleum reserves, not a smart move. I think those are supposed to be used in case of emergencies. In reality, we might need to be drilling just a little bit more. The article goes on to say, quote, I want every American to know that I'm taking inflation very seriously and as a top domestic priority, Biden told reporters. I don't believe that currently, but okay. And fewer than half of U.S. adults, 42%, approved of Biden's handling of the presidency, and they rate the economy as the country's most important problem, according to Reuters. Biden said the COVID-19 pandemic, coupled with supply chain issues, and the Russia war in Ukraine were to blame for the inflation spike. Okay, the COVID-19 pandemic, yes, I could see that being an issue, because the economy virtually did, virtually almost shut down completely. Not completely, but uh, almost did. Um, I can understand supply chain issues a little bit because when you have to restart things, then there's going to be backlogs. Okay. I'll give him that. But the war on Ukraine, I can't really blame inflation on that. Okay. Maybe for oil. Yes. But for everything else, no, it's hard to believe that currently. The article goes on to say Biden and his fellow Democrats rushed trillions in, in new COVID aid and infrastructure spending into the economy last year, fueling a record rebound last year. Republicans and even some economists have said that the spending also fueled inflation. A March study from the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco estimated the U.S. fiscal stimulus added three percentage points to the cruel inflation data, but said without the spending, the economy might have tipped into deflation and would have been more difficult to manage. We're in power, Biden said when asked whether he deserved blame for high prices. We control all three branches of government. We don't really, well, we don't really, he added, lamenting his fellow Democrats' inability to get other spending bills passed because of their narrow control of Congress. Okay, here's the thing. He later on goes on to blame Republicans on this stuff as well. But he says, in the article, he says, on Tuesday, he sought to deflect blame to Republicans who he said ha have less of a plan than he does and has throffed his policies to fight it. Democrats are defending narrow majorities in the November 8th congressional election and will determine who controls the Senate House of Representatives. And then he goes on later to say, quote from Joe Biden, the Republican plan is to increase taxes on middle class families, he said. If I'm not mistaken, a few years ago under a mostly Republican-controlled House and Congress and all that stuff, they they cut taxes. So I don't firmly believe, but this is not truly a purely political podcast, but it is an economy one, and the economy one is connected with politics, and it sickens me the more I study this stuff. But here's the thing, okay? Biden is, at least in my opinion, He's lying in some way, shape, or form. Even the New York Post is reporting, Biden isn't fooling anyone. Inflation is his fault, and he has no solution to fix it, okay? If you like your inflation, you can keep your inflation. Okay, Joe Biden didn't say that, but he would have it if he were being honest. The president set himself back an easy task Tuesday to show a disprinted public he cares about their painful uh, straits, as he put it, I want every American to know that I'm taking inflation very seriously as my top domestic priority. Just not serious enough to bring a single new idea to the table. Instead, he fell back on tired tropes about how none of his historic increases in prices is his fault. With Biden, the buck always stops somewhere else. The two straw men he touted out were the familiar, the pandemic, and the Putin price hike. The later coined phrase is ridiculous as President Gerald Ford win gamut for whip inflation now 
and will no doubt have the effect economically and politically. He goes on later on to say that you need to consider these numbers. CNN report 81% of the public thinks the government is not doing enough to combat inflation. Fox reports that 36% approval of Biden's handling the economy. And that's all before the latest hike in gasoline prices. The na- national average price on regular unlead is now $4.37 a gallon, up from $4.20 last week. And $2 at, oh, here it is, $2.97 a gallon a year ago. $2.97 gallon a year ago. Okay. If you don't drill on federal land and you don't allow the Keystone pipeline to get made, oil companies can't produce as much oil, which causes a potential supply and demand issues in the making. Biden's pretty much to blame for this. I mean, at the end of the day, he purposely did this because he came out a day before. I remember thinking at the time, I was like, wow, Joe Biden's actually coming out a little early talking about inflation. I don't get why. But then I realized it was to make himself look good before this news article came out from today. According to CNBC, inflation barreled ahead at 8.3% in April from a year ago, remaining near 40-year highs. Inflation rose again in April, continuing a climb that has pushed consumers to the brink and is threatening an economic expansion of the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics reported Wednesday. The Consumer Price Index, a A broad measure of prices for goods and services increased 8.3% from a year ago, higher than the Dow Jones estimated for an 8.1% gain. That represents a slight ease from the March peak that was slightly close to the highest level since the summer of 1982. Removing uh, volatile food and energy prices, so-called core, CPI still rose 6.2% against expectations for a 6% gain, clouding hopes that inflation had peaked in March. The month-over-month gains also were higher than expectations, 0.3% on the headline CPI versus 0.2% estimate and a 0.6% increase for core against the outlook of 0.4% gain. Okay, okay, let's see. Later on in this article, this is what I think is important to remember. Okay, CPI gains came across through energy price decline 2.7% for a month, including a 6.1% drop for gasoline. The BSL food index rose 0.9% in April, countering the deceleration in energy. On a 12-month basis, energy costs were still up 30.3%, while food rose 9.4%, according to unadjusted data. Gasoline costs at the pump this week reached their highest level, ever not adjusting for inflation. Quote, we're starting to see energy pull back a little bit, but it's not enough, said Kathy Jones, chief fixed income strategist at Charles Schwab. The markets were hoping for a better number, and it's not good enough to rule out more Fed tightening. Things are going to continue to get worse. I firmly believe that. Gas prices are going up. Food prices are going up. Everything's going up. There's even talks right now, and this is something we might be able to cover tomorrow a little bit, that there's a shortage on baby food currently and cat food. Now, cat food is not that big of a deal, in my opinion. I mean, cats can virtually eat anything they want almost like they'll just maybe go find them a little mice somewhere to eat but baby formula that's a little concerning potentially because there's gonna be a lot of panicked mothers okay so there's issues and and no one is talking about this currently okay no one well at least we are trying to as best we can and trying to get the word out as much as possible to people on this podcast of what's happening in the markets currently but I mean, 
everything's going up. Even it says here, auto sales have been the big contributor to inflation as supply chain issues, especially the semiconductors vital to the vehicle operating systems have pushed prices up. Used vehicles fell 0.4% on the month. Used vehicles make sense, but new vehicle prices rose 1.1%. Prices rose 22.7% and 13.2% to two categories respected over the past year. Finally, April saw big price increases across selected food areas. Chicken was up 3.4% and eggs surged 10.3% amid a bird flu scare, while bacon rose 2.5% and breakfast cereal was up 2.4%. Ham prices fell 1.8%. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have recently bought cereal for my breakfast in the morning, and I've noticed that the cereal box has actually gotten thinner, and it seems like there's less. I could be wrong, but I do remember at least a year ago when buying cereal, it was pretty, the boxes seemed pretty big. Now the boxes just seem thinner, okay? Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But it just seems like everything's going up in price currently. And it's just, it's hard to believe, okay? But this is the impact of inflation. This is also the impact of having bad policies in place by government because government and the economy tend to be intertwined with each other. Okay. So you have to keep an eye out for this. Okay. This is huge potentially for the U S midterm elections that are coming up because the next two years are going to be almost determined by this. And, And like I said, I hate to make this somewhat of a political podcast, but at the end of the day, these two things are tied, the economy and politics. And it sickens me to my core, but it's something you have to consistently keep an eye out for. Now, this article, I have been wondering for a very long time. And I had a feeling this would happen as COVID was happening. And now it looks like my suspicions were correct. Okay, And, uh, and as I explain more in details, you'll understand why in a second. Pfizer to pay $11.6 billion for Biohaven to tap migraine market. Well, what does this have to do with COVID? Well, I'll get there. Don't worry. Pfizer Inc. said, to, said on Tuesday that it will pay $11.6 billion to buy Biohaven pharmaceutical holding company, making a big bet on the ability to boost sales of the top selling pill in a new class of migraine drugs. The boards of both companies have approved the deal, they said. Biohaven shares jumped 70% to $141.31, while Pfizer was up slightly at $48.83. Pfizer, and this is where I'm talking about now, Pfizer is flushed with cash from a once-in-a-lifetime surge in revenue from COVID-19 vaccines and therapeutics and has said it is looking to buy companies or drugs that could add at least 25 billion in annual sales by the end of the decade. The New York-based drug maker said Biohaven Mike Drugs could top 6 billion in annual sales at their peak. The primary asset Pfizer gains from the acquisition is Biohaven already approved Nurtech ODT, which belongs to a class of migraine treatments called uh, calcidian, I believe, gene-related uh, peptide inhibitors. The company also has six other migraine drugs in development. Neurotech, which dropped, which brought in sales of 462.5 million in 2021, competes with two CGRP inhibited inhibitor pills from Avi Inc. The top selling drug in the class are injecting drugs sold by Ellie Lilly and Company and Amgen Inc. Okay. 
So Pfizer just made a ton of money off of the COVID-19 vaccine. Okay. I was wondering when the pandemic started, who was going to make the most money out of this. And it seems like Pfizer. Because if you look up to see how much Pfizer made, okay, if you go to Relief Web, okay, it's quoted on here as saying, if I can find it real quick, let's see. Oh. Based on the company's financial statement, the alliance estimate that Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderno, Moderna, will make pre-tax profits of $34 billion this year between them, which works out to over $1,000 a second, $65,000 a minute, and or $93.5 million a day. The monopolies these companies hold have produced five new billionaires during the pandemic with a combined net worth of $35.1 billion. Okay. That's insane. Pfizer has all this cash now, and now they're going to potentially be making more money because they're going to be able to start buying out more companies, more biotechs to grow their profits. It's actually believed that Pfizer could, there's an article I had barely scanned through that said they believe Pfizer could be the next $100 billion company in the making because of how they got this free cash from the COVID-19 vaccine. And it's it's just insane to think. I mean, you, Moderna, I would not be surprised if they start buying out companies as well. And I'm also curious to know if Johnson & Johnson is going to have to do that as well because Johnson Johnson was the third vaccine, if I'm not mistaken. These are things to consider consider to looking at going forward. Who's Moderna going to buy? What's Pfizer going to buy next? And will Johnson & Johnson be able to buy anything? I mean, I think it's insane. I mean, my father used, always tells me, at least when I was younger and still even now, there are three things that rule the world. And I'll only tell two of them because I don't want to get this podcast disqualified, I guess. But the first two are money and power, okay? Pfizer made a ton of money during COVID-19. They're potentially going to be buying out a lot of companies. Same with Moderna. Moderna, I mean, need to keep an eye on this, guys. Economy is tied to a lot of this stuff. And like I said, the more you study the economy and then more it ties into politics, the more you start understanding a little bit how this world works a little bit. It's insane absolutely insane that they're i mean a thousand dollars a second from a drug and thousand dollars a second for a drug 65,000 a minute 93.5 million a day for three companies that's insane absolutely insane man i mean maybe get into pfizer if you want but i don't know at the end of the day maybe these Deals don't really work out, but it's good to know where the money's been going, boostering these companies' profits in the, in the making. So that being said, guys, thank you for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed every second of it to receive new information out there. I ask that if you do like this, that you please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription we get can help grow this podcast so we can be able to keep talking more about what's happening in the financial markets. With that being said, guys, 
Also, please share with friends or family if you think that they would enjoy it as well. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.